MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Today, in a Rolling Stone exclusive, Trump lawyers say that obstruction charges for Evan Corcoran are very likely. James O'Keefe has officially resigned as CEO of Project Veritas. Alina Haba has testified before a federal grand jury in the documents case. The DA has dropped the gun enhancement charge in the Alec Baldwin negligent homicide case. And President Biden makes a surprise visit to Keefe. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It's AG. Dana's out. But later on, I'm going to be joined by the host of the How We Win podcast on MSW Media and candidate for California Assembly from District 44, Steve Pearson. And he's going to be here to discuss all the headlines I'm about to roll through. Big news day at the beginning of what's certain to be one of the biggest news weeks we've seen yet. I have a feeling. So let's get to it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, from Soyce Bang and Ronsley at Rolling Stone with an exclusive, though not surprising, they say since early January, several of Donald Trump's close advisors, including some of his own lawyers, have met with the former president to deliver him the same stark warning. In at least three meetings this year, according to two sources familiar with the matter, legal and political counselors to Trump have urged him to dump Evan Corcoran, one of the ex-president's top attorneys in the federal probe into Trump's handling of classified documents. Some of the former president's lawyers, and I said this too, right? I was like, dude, you're a witness. You're going to want to get out of that, drop off the legal team, do what Christina Bob did and lawyer up and get off that legal team. But he stayed. And, And some of the president's lawyers have explicitly told Trump, based on information that they have privately reviewed, they believe the DOJ has a strong case against Evan Corcoran, arguing charges including potentially for obstruction of justice, are, quote, very likely, unquote. These advisors have argued that if the Justice Department indeed does come for Corcoran, it's imperative for Trump to distance himself to avoid being dragged into possible further legal jeopardy by his own attorney. Trump, the sources say, sounded receptive to their perspective. However, as of mid-February, it appears he wasn't as receptive as they'd hoped. Corcoran is still on Trump's legal team. Corcoran and representatives for Trump didn't immediately respond to Rolling Stone's request for comment. During a grand jury appearance in January, prosecutors reportedly asked Corcoran questions about events prior to last year's FBI raid of Trump's Florida resident of Mar-a-Lago. Now, we should say raid is a legally executed search warrant. Uh, Corcoran drafted and fellow Trump attorney Christina Bob signed an attestation statement telling the government that a diligent search had been conducted of the Florida residents in May of 2022. A statement which the subsequent discovery of classified material during the search has undermined. Corcoran reportedly declined to answer some questions based on his belief that they were protected by attorney-client privilege. But prosecutors have since filed a motion asking Judge Beryl Howe, she's the chief judge of the D.C. Circuit Court and she's in charge of federal grand juries, they've asked her to force him to testify 
based on the crime fraud exception, which can override attorney-client privilege in cases where an attorney may have assisted a client in the furtherance of a crime. Several of Trump's close advisors who've recently spoken to him about this have argued to Trump that any potential wrongdoing on this matter could somehow be pinned entirely on Corcoran and not Trump himself. So just like in the January 6th investigation, they said we should try to pin this all on Mark Meadows. In the documents case, looks like they might try to pin it all on Evan Corcoran. I'm not quite sure how the fact that the subpoena was for the office of Donald J. Trump and not Donald J. Trump himself will impact that. But McCabe and I will discuss the likelihood of Trump being able to make Corcoran the fall guy on this coming weekend's episode of the Jack podcast. And in other Trump lawyer news, Alina Haba, attorney for former guy, appeared last month before a federal grand jury investigating the mishandling of classified documents. And that's two sources telling CNN. Haba is the third Trump lawyer known to have been brought before the D.C.-based grand jury, which is investigating obstruction in addition to criminal violations of government records laws. That's 18 U.S. Code 2071 and 793, concealment and espionage. While Haba has not played the prominent role that other Trump attorneys have played in responding to the documents probe, she, she, you know, she hasn't been really on this one, you know, she has made notable TV appearances defending Trump and criticizing the federal documents probe. Haba also has been a lead attorney in litigation related to New York Attorney General Letitia James' civil case against the Trump family and his businesses for alleged financial fraud. And in that role, she personally searched several Trump properties, including Trump's residence and private office at Mar-a-Lago, just weeks before the FBI search was conducted. And she signed an attestation letter saying that she did a diligent search looking for accounting stuff for the New York Attorney General. So either she lied about doing a diligent search or she could lie to the grand jury saying she didn't see any classified records. One of those two things happened. So maybe she'll say, yeah, no, I did a diligent search. I was looking for accounting stuff, so I didn't report those classified documents, but I sure saw them. Here's where I saw them. That would probably be, if that's what happened, the best thing for her to tell the Department of Justice. Now, from Schmidt, Farenthold, and Goldman at the New York Times, James O'Keefe, who was the leader of the conservative project Veritas Group, used theatrical stunts, undercover stings, and other deceptive tactics in efforts to inflict embarrassment and charges of hypocrisy and wrongdoing on perceived liberal enemies in politics and the media, while he has been removed from his post by the board of Project Veritas. And that's from Mr. O'Keefe telling us Monday. So... For all the right-wing nutjobs are like, what's your source? Well, it's James O'Keefe. The decision to remove him came amid an uproar among the group's staff about his leadership style, his treatment of subordinates, and his use of the group's funds for high-priced expenses like flights on a private jet. It also came in the midst of an ongoing Justice Department investigation into how Project Veritas acquired a diary kept by Ashley Biden, that's President Biden's daughter, before the 2020 election. Mr. O'Keefe's home was searched by FBI agents with a warrant in the fall of 2021 as part of that investigation. Project Veritas's board put O'Keefe on paid leave earlier this month, and we reported that. Last week, they stripped him of his title and authorities. Quote, currently, I have no job at Project Veritas. I have no position here based upon what the board has done. So I'm announcing to you all that today on President's Day, I'm packing up my personal belongings here. That's what he said in a video addressing the group from its headquarters in New York. Mr. O'Keefe had been the leader and provocateur in chief since he founded Project Veritas in his dad's garage in 2010. He initially rose to prominence before that when he used an undercover sting to assert 
that the community organization group ACORN, remember this, was promoting illegal activity, a characterization that largely unraveled upon scrutiny by law enforcement agencies and in court cases. It was bullshit. Project Veritas became more visible on the right during the Trump era when the former guy and some of his supporters embraced O'Keefe, who was invited to the White House and became a frequent guest on Fox News. Among its recent targets was Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company and manufacturer of one of the leading COVID-19 vaccines. Now, along the way, Project Veritas operations, which often relied on concealed cameras being used by operatives lying about their identity, led to a string of embarrassing disclosures about their targets, which included journalists at The New York Times. Especially since the beginning of the investigation into the theft of Ashley Biden's diary, O'Keefe has argued that his group's information-gathering tactics should be defended on First Amendment grounds. Although Project Veritas describes its employees as journalists, its operations typically diverge from standard journalistic practice, with the organization's operatives masking their identities or creating phony ones. In defending Project Veritas in a court case last year, a lawyer representing the group described the group's operations as legitimate and lawful news gathering, but went on to say that in pursuing its targets, Project Veritas used deception, deceit, dishonesty, and indeed lies on the bad actors. It was investigating. Project Veritas has an ongoing defamation suit against the New York Times, full disclosure. The group's legal problems had become apparent, an apparent strain on O'Keefe, according to complaints lodged about him by colleagues and sent to Project Veritas's board this month. In September, a jury in federal civil case found that the group had violated wiretapping laws in a sting operation against a consulting group affiliated with Democrats, and the jury awarded $120,000 to that firm. That's Democracy Partners. In the Ashley Biden diary investigation, two Florida residents pled guilty in August to stealing the diary and selling it to Project Veritas. And at the time of the guilty pleas, federal prosecutors directly tied Project Veritas to the theft of Ms. Biden's items in the court papers, saying that an employee for the group had directed the defendants to steal additional items to authenticate the diary and paid them additional money after receiving them. So been a couple of years since that raid on his home. So by the FBI. This would be about the time charges would come out if they were gonna. So we'll see. We'll put them on the fantasy indictment league. And the Santa Fe District Attorney's Office announced Monday it's dropping the gun enhancement charge, which is a crime that would have carried a five-year sentence if convicted. They're dropping that against Alec Baldwin in the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of Rust in October of 2021. Now, Baldwin still faces the involuntary manslaughter charge for the shooting. However, That crime would carry a lesser sentence of a max of 18 months if convicted. The amended complaint was filed late Friday. The charge was also dropped against the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who faces the same involuntary manslaughter charge as Baldwin. Now, here's a quote from the DA. In order to avoid further litigious distractions by Mr. Baldwin and his attorneys, the DA and the special prosecutor have removed the firearm enhancement to the involuntary manslaughter charges in the death of Helena Hutchins on the Rust film set. They went on to say, The prosecution's priority is securing justice, not securing billable hours for big city attorneys. But that reason is a little bit bullshit, because the real reason they had to drop the charges wasn't because of billable hours for big city slicker attorneys. It was because it was ex post facto. Baldwin's legal team filed a motion February 10th arguing the five-year gun enhancement didn't apply at the time of the shooting. They said the prosecutors committed a basic legal error by charging Baldwin under a version of the firearm enhancement statute that did not exist on the date of the accident. The accident occurred in October of 2021, but the current version of the law didn't take effect until May of 2022, so it wasn't like a couple days. They were off by quite a bit. And finally, 
President Biden made a surprise trip to the capital of embattled Ukraine on Monday, traveling under a cloak of secrecy into a war zone to demonstrate what he called America's unwavering support for the effort to beat back Russian forces nearly a year after they invaded Ukraine. Biden arrived early Monday morning to meet with President Volodymyr Zelensky after a 10-hour overnight train ride through Ukraine, and the two stepped out into the streets of Kyiv, even as air raid sirens sounded, a dramatic moment that underscored the investment the United States has made in Ukraine's independence. One year later, Kyiv stands, Mr. Biden declared, at Mr. Zelensky's side, right near that gilded ceremonial home of the Ukrainian president called Marinsky Palace. And he went on to say, and Ukraine stands, democracy stands. Zelensky said, thank you so much for coming, Mr. President, at a huge moment for Ukraine. They're about to, I mean, they're facing down a huge Russian offensive right now. Mr. Biden joined Zelensky for a visit to St. Michael's Monastery in downtown Kiev, where the sun glittered off the golden domes as the air raid alarm wailed. Trailing two soldiers bearing a wreath, the two leaders walked along the Wall of Remembrance with portraits of more than 4,500 soldiers who have died since Russia illegally annexed Crimea in 2014 and first fomented a rebellion in eastern Ukraine. The alarm on Monday morning was triggered by a Russian MiG fighter that took off from Belarus, which borders Ukraine to the north. A missile from a MiG fired from Belarus can hit a target in Kyiv in under 20 minutes. Even by the standards of past presidential trips into war zones, Biden's 40-hour journey in and out of Kyiv was remarkable. He slipped out of Washington in the dark of night without notice, traveled on Air Force C-32 and Air Force C-32, often used to fly into smaller airports during domestic travel. Biden took off at 4.15 a.m. Sunday, just two reporters sworn to secrecy and deprived of their telephones for almost 24 hours were brought with him, along with Mr. Sullivan, Jen O'Malley Dillon, the deputy chief of staff, and Annie Tomasini, the director of Oval Office Operations. Dark Brandon is a bad motherfucker. That's all I got to say. All right, we'll be right back with Steve Pearson to weigh in on these news stories. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and I take AG, Athletic Greens, AG1, every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I was looking for a great tasting supplement I can trust. I take AG1 immediately after I wake up, before anything, before I go to the gym, before my first cup of coffee. It makes me feel ready to take on the day. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. Right now, they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, plus five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. I have tried a ton of different supplements. I had a cabinet full, like, and uh, tons in my refrigerator and on the top of my refrigerator with all the superfood powders. But this one's different. The ingredients are top quality. It tastes delicious. And it's just one scoop of powder mixed with water. It covers all my day's nutritional bases with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, whole food sourced ingredients, everything I need. And it's a great bang for the buck since it replaces that entire cabinet of supplements I used to take, including my daily multivitamin, pre and probiotics for gut health, adaptogens, and a greens blend, all in just one scoop of powder. It's delicious. AG1 is a really seamless and easy daily habit to pick up. So if you're looking for a simpler and more cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Check it out. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now that we've got the news, now that we've got the download of the daily news, joining us to discuss it is the host of the How We Win podcast on MSW Media and candidate for California Assembly District 44, my friend Steve Pearson. Hi, Steve. Hello, Allison. So happy to be an honorary 
Beans Queen today. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. We are very, very honored to have you, sir. And, you know, I really wanted to to talk to you today. First of all, you know, at the end, we could talk a little bit more about your candidacy and how that's going, because I'm really interested in that and how people can help out. But I also wanted to get your uh, thoughts on some of the headlines today, because we have a lot. Um, It's, you know, it was a bank holiday on Monday, President's (laughs) Day. But, you know, there was a lot of news that came out. And speaking of President's Day, we had Biden show up, visit Kiev to visit President Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine. Absolutely a stunning move. Nobody was expecting it. I think only two pool reporters knew about it. It was kept under wraps. And and then we see him out walking uh, the streets of Kiev amid air raid sirens. Talk about your thoughts on this on, on President's Day. It seems like a very historic moment. Oh, my gosh. It was... Uh... Like to say it was a baller move is uh, <laughs> understating it a little bit um, to show up there. For it, first of all, we know how much it meant for uh, the Ukrainian people and for President Zelensky, um, for the U.S. president to be there um, roughly a year after the war started. It, it was incredible. Uh, you know, uh, apparently a MiG was scrambled and and that's why the air raid uh, signs ca- coming out of Russia. I mean, you know, uh like this is our president. This is Dark Brandon at his best. But you know, showing up a ten-hour train ride, which you know he enjoyed because he's a train guy anyway. So he was, you know, <laughs> talking to everyone and like, you know, what's the what's the dining car like on this one? You know, he was asking all about the trains. You know, but but you know, seriously, like you know, what a show of of strength. And you know, when you compare it to the uh, just the utter loss of standing that we had in the world under the former guy. And the lack of respect that world leaders had for our leadership and, and where we are now with President Biden, you know, it, it couldn't be more apparent. And um, he's done so much to heal those relationships. And now he's really standing up, not just for Ukraine, but for, you know, democracy, democracy itself and the foundations of our democracy. It was incredible. Right. Yeah. He understands that preserving democracy abroad helps us preserve it at home and vice versa. And I also thought, you know, I thought far into the future about how this will look, historically speaking. And I think it, it's a huge moment. It's going to be one of those handful of moments that that are remembered in the history books. And also, I thought about what it would be like if Donald Trump had won in 2020 and what would be happening now. And, and I mean, you know, there, <laughs> there, there wouldn't be an occasion for Donald Trump to visit President Zelensky. And who knows what the landscape of the entire war might look like under Trump when his peace plan for Ukraine was to just hand over big chunks of it and put Yanukovych in charge of it and uh, give it back to Russia. So and of course, he was holding a Ukrainian funding hostage, you know, for for his help. That meeting with Zelensky, where he was basically trying to shake him down for his own political gain. You know, it's very clear where the former guy's alliances lay. And um, I shudder to think what would be happening to the Ukrainian people right now if he was still in office. Same. And even Gosar, I think, tweeted today that Ukraine is not our friend and Russia is not our enemy. And I'm like, um, Mm. that is absolutely incorrect. So (laughs) uh, just stunning, just stunning shit coming from seditionists, uh, all parts of the GOP. So yeah, absolutely incredible. Stunning visit today and one for the history books. Let's talk a little bit about this Rolling Stone exclusive that says Trump lawyers 
And and we've heard rumblings of this, had been warning Trump to like maybe step away from Corcoran a little bit. He could be in a lot of trouble. They were doing it. We This f- sounds familiar because they had done that with Mark Meadows as well. Like maybe don't talk to that guy. Right. Maybe we can pin it all on him. And I think that it, for January 6th, and I think that's kind of the case for Corcoran in the documents investigation because, you know, they're trying to force his testimony, compel his testimony using the crime fraud exception. And uh, he should have lawyered up a year ago when Christina Bob did, uh, you know, to to be f- to right. be frank, or maybe eight months ago. Maybe I'm exaggerating with the year thing, but he's now lawyering up. He's going to be uh, compelled to testify. I'm sure he's going to be compelled to testify under the crime fraud exception because the obstruction was pretty clear. But uh, yeah, now here he is. The Trump lawyers are saying that um, he is very likely to face obstruction of justice charges, which is what we kind of figured. Yeah. And I was trying to figure this out because, you know, Trump has, despite warnings uh, about him, has kept him on as a lawyer. And I was trying to figure out why he would do that. But you, you got to think that Trump is looking for two things right now. He's looking for a fall guy, but he's also looking for lawyers. I mean, it's becoming harder and harder for him to find anybody that will work with them. And, and so, you know, when he's got someone that's, you know, I guess, loyal or um, you know, misguided or however he may be, um, you know, it's hard for him to cut him loose because his options are, you know, I, I guess to make up another fake persona lawyer and pretend that he's got, you know, great legal representation, but <laughs> like Jim Trusty, which I know was a real person, but I just always thought that was a, a, a made up name by Trump. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Same. And now we have Alina Haba uh, having uh, testified before the grand jury. And she's interesting because she did a search of a bunch of Trump properties, but not in the documents case. She searched him looking for accounting records in the New York Attorney General Tish James's case uh, for fraud against the Trump organization. So she signed a letter saying she had did a diligent search of all the Trump properties looking for that accounting stuff. Can't imagine if there were glaring fucking classified documents staring her in the face that she wouldn't remember that. So it'll be interesting to see if she either lied in that attestation letter about doing a diligent search for the New York Attorney General's office or lies to the grand jury about not having seen any classified documents when she completed that search. I feel like I would remember if I saw like a folder that had the big like top secret classified, uh, you know, I'd be like, whoa, what's that? And that would stick. That would stick in my Yeah, I would probably say, hey, I wasn't looking for that. So I don't remember. (laughs) It's uh, I'm so glad that you're here and that you're Jack podcast is is here too because it is so hard to keep track of of all of these moving pieces and you know they're <laughs> like you know how one man can be under so much legal peril is uh is just astounding but um but as you still said, not in jail right still like not come in on. jail I mean they've called him Teflon John uh Teflon uh <laughs> What's his name? I can't, I don't even, Trump, Don, Teflon Don. I, I've, I've shut it out of my brain, but um, that's got to be changing soon. I, I really feel like the, the tide is starting to come for, for him and, and we're certainly seeing it with the people around him. The question is, as we said, will he be able to continue to scapegoat other people around him or, um, or will it just come straight for him? Yeah, because the lawyers in the Corcoran case are saying, hey, maybe we can pin this all on Corcoran and keep you completely out of it. It'll be interesting to see how DOJ charges Donald if it was in fact Corcoran. But I think there might be a little bit of a clue when Donald directly told Walt Nauta, his Diet Coke valet, (laughs) to move classified documents from one room to another after the uh, subpoena went down. So 
which which was, you know, one of the reasons for the search warrant in the first place. So there's other, I think there's other places besides Corcoran that he could find himself in legal peril with just the documents case by itself. Uh, but Ah, to be an employee at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, like the lady, who, the lady who digitally scanned all those presidential schedules and accidentally scanned a couple of classified documents into her laptop. Cool. Oops. Um, all right, let's talk about some other investigations. James O'Keefe, as you know, Project Veritas, uh, two people pled guilty to trafficking in stolen goods with Ashley Biden's diary. And today, officially, James O'Keefe has stepped down as CEO of Project Veritas uh, amongst some, I guess, rancor. So that that's fun. Yeah. Uh, um, what a scumbag. And uh, and just a, a, a disgusting thing that he did, you know, with uh, Biden's daughter's diary. I was glad to see that Democracy Partners was awarded... Um, in that lawsuit, I know uh, a number of the principals at Democracy Partners, and and they are amazing, amazing people, organizers, you know, activists from you know way back, and these are like the best of us who are who are making change in the Democratic Party, and uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Veritas would try to wiretap their offices and 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 get in there, but um, yeah, I mean, bad actors uh, doing bad things, and and now going wherever he's going. I, you know, I, I don't know what's next for him, but hopefully nothing that I have to look at. Yeah. Usually when people resign from their posts like that, it might be because they got a target letter from the Department of Justice, but we'll see. It, not always. Sometimes they they wriggle off the hook. We'll see in James O'Keefe's case. He was right. He would, I hate to say the word rated because a, a legal search warrant was executed upon his property. Exactly. Rated is so much more fun. Uh, but yes, technically legal search warrant signed off by a judge was executed upon his property. So <laughs> that was pretty recently. So we'll see what happens there. And then in New Mexico, and this is the Alec Baldwin case on the, mm-hmm. the shooting of the movie Rust, which is the name of the film. The New Mexico DA has dropped the gun enhancement charge. So now instead of a mandatory five-year prison sentence, Alec Baldwin faces a maximum of 18 months. And they dropped it the the DA made a statement saying, well, the, these big city slicker lawyers are just so litigious and we don't want to, you know, spend waste anybody's time. So we're dropping this enhancement when the actual problem is that it was ex post facto, right? That that law didn't go in effect until after the shooting took place. So it was a technical legal error on the part of the DA. And that's why they had to drop that charge. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the right thing to do uh, personally, and uh, and legal standing, you know, regardless, uh, you know, this my my wife is an actor. I I worked in the entertainment industry for a long time, and um, you know, there are a lot of feelings over over this tragedy that happened on this set, and I believe uh, Alec Baldwin, as a producer, should be culpable for some of the actions there for the um, for the safety that was. Uh, not in place on set and for, for that. But as an actor who is handed a gun, to have that then be a gun enhancement charge when an accident like this happens, I think is not appropriate. And right now there's a lot of uh, work being done by uh, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, and after a union and lawmakers to really define the roles on sets, increase the safety on sets. And um, because there needs to be culpability, it was a terrible tragedy, uh, but it was being framed by the prosecutors in a way that an actor was acting irresponsibly on the set by shooting a gun towards a camera 
when that was what happens on sets all the time when you're framing up a shot and and he was told that the gun was cold. So a lot to dissect there, but I'm, I'm glad the, the, uh, the weapons enhancement was dropped because I don't think that was appropriate. Yeah, also dropped against the armorer. And again, because the law hadn't gone into effect yet. But, you know, he's still on the hook for the negligent homicide uh, count, which I do, you know, I do think is appropriate as a producer of that movie. And same with the armorer as well. So we'll we'll see how this all shakes out in court. But that mandatory minimum sentence is now removed with the removal of that gun enhancement charge that firearms enhancement charge so thank you very much steve today for going over these headlines with me i really appreciate it tell me where you are with your uh, assembly person campaign for california assembly for district 44 how's that going it's going great you know i've been so overwhelmed with gratitude by all all the support that i've received since i announced i announced on your show and uh, here on the beans and so thank you to the beans listeners who have reached out and and who pitched in and donated to. I'm, I'm so grateful. It's, uh, it's weird. I'm not going to lie. It's really weird being a candidate. I went to my first uh, uh, in-person event after I announced, which was a, um, an event for Adam Schiff in Burbank. And all of a sudden I was out in public like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a candidate and I've got to meet people and talk to them <laughs> and be like, I'm, I'm running for office. It's, you know, I'm new to this. And, um, but uh, the response has been tremendous, and I, I remain just so excited about the opportunity to make a real impact on people's lives um, and and to serve at this level. So, so thank you to the Beans listeners uh, for your support. And of course, if you haven't had a chance to uh, check out the campaign, you can go to PearsonForCalifornia.com, and uh, any donation, uh, whether it's large or small just helps build this movement. It's a grassroots, people-powered campaign. So I'm grateful for everything. And we're grateful for you. Thank you so much, my friend. And I hope you're going to be just be podcasting forever, though, even when you're working. So yeah. <laughs> keep us posted. I will. I was on uh, our friend Brian Tyler Cohen's show over the weekend, and he was asking me if I was going to keep podcasting while I was in the assembly. And um, that I don't know. I hope I hope I you know can do it, but uh, I'm certainly up until then. We've got about two years till I would start serving. So there's a <laughs> lot of podcast episodes. And Wednesday we've got Maxwell Frost on too. I should mention on on how we win, who is um, uh, incredible. So lucky, he's so cool. I love when he ha- when he got that uh, person from Twitter to say "pussy ass bitch" it, into the congressional record. I think that was one of my <laughs> we talked about that. That, hap- that happened right before our interview. So we got to talk about that. And um, at any age, he is an impressive, impressive human. But, uh, you know, his uh, being Gen Z there in Congress, it's incredible. So, yes. And, and so, so well, we need that so much. We just need that kind of generational diversity and otherwise all kinds. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Pearson for California. Do I have that right? That's right. Com? Yep. All yep. Right, cool. Everybody check it out. Thank you, Alton. Yeah, of course. Anytime, my friend. And we'll talk to you soon. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt or... You want to tell us about an amazing person in your life who's a hero or give a shout out to a local business in your area or an adoptable pet, 
that needs a loving forever home, or if you want to send whoopee stories or blankie stories or, you know, frog orgies or baby pictures or, or your pod pet pics dressed up in little costumes or not, whatever you want to send us, you can send us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, from Debbie, pronouns she and her, hello, beans babes. I wanted to share my new rescue pup, Yoshi, with you. He is a red healer corgi mix, and he is wonderful. I retired from 35 years as a math teacher in August. Debbie, thank you for your service. I had to part ways with my work, which I love dearly due to mental health issues. I did six months of therapy that pulled me out of the abyss. I volunteer at the local shelter twice a week, and I've been on the lookout for the right dog for our senior lifestyle. My 90-year-old mother-in-law lives with us, so we couldn't have a super active puppy in the house, and I fell in love with Yoshi the minute I saw him. He's a five-year-old, gentle soul. I promised him a quiet retirement at our house and two acres of fenced-in backyard to play in. He also has a spot on the couch. I now have a companion who gets me off the couch and out of the house, and Yoshi has a forever home. Allison, keep geeking out on old songs and TV shows. I love the Animaniacs reference today. My daughter used to run around singing the President's Song from the Animaniacs and the Cheese Roll Call from Pinky and the Brain. I'm a blue dot in red South Carolina, so I appreciate your shows and all you do. Keep up the good work. What a beautiful dog. That's a corgi mix, huh? Oh, so beautiful. Looks so comfy on that chair, by the way. (laughs) So cute. Oh, thank you so much for that. That's amazing. And thank you for all of your hard work as a teacher. That's truly incredible. And thank you for taking care of your mental health. That's so important. All right. Next up from Elizabeth, pronoun she and her. I'm a newish listener, found your podcast about six months ago, and I love it. I was so excited to hear from your listener who gave a shout out to Curvy's Cupcakes in Brookfield, Connecticut. I recently heard of it and I wanted to try them because they have vegan cupcakes. I sort of forgot about it, but after hearing the shout out, I immediately placed a sample order. Happy to report the cupcakes are delish, and I had some very happy family members who enjoyed the surprise. Pet tax, muffin, long-haired tuxedo, who will be the big 1-8. 18 years old on March 15th, old enough to vote, except she's a cat, but she'd totally be Team Daily Beans. Side note, my 14-year-old daughter is having a suffragette-themed 18th birthday party for Muffin to celebrate the big milestone. (laughs) I love your daughter. My daughter's friends will dress in all white and will vote on a variety of things. They're all excited. It will be an improvement from the virtual Sweet 16 we threw for Muffin in March of 2021. Our other cat is Freya. She's an amazing cat who would rule the world if she only had opposable thumbs. And who's to say she runs our house without them? Freya will be 20 in June. Oh my God, (laughs) these cats have, you've given these cats such amazing long lives. We will celebrate her birthday on Father's Day. Can you guess which celebration gets top billing? That's right, it's not Father's Day, but my husband doesn't mind. I love everything about your podcast. I don't miss an episode. You make me laugh and help me stay informed. Thank you, AG and Dana, for a great show. P.S. Another podcast I listen to has an ad that talks about a dog named Peanut, and every time I hear it, I correct them. As we all know, it's Pnoot, <laughs> or just Newt. The P is silent. <laughs> Thank you, Elizabeth. And by the way, I love for patrons who are part of the private Facebook group, we get Pnoot updates all the time, and it's fantastic. I want you to know I see those. <gasps> Your Tuxie is so beautiful. Oh, and look at the 20-year-old baby. Tuxies are so great, aren't they? I miss my Bruce. He's still missing, but I am now caring for two other tuxedos named Ralph and Stash, brother and sister, bonded pair, cute as hell. And I am uh, currently their foster mom and I I might keep them. Oh my gosh. Next up from Angela, Panute's mom. Look at that. Look at that. Synchronicity. 
the universe is listening to us. Hi, AGDG and the beautiful Daily Beans community. I cannot express how much I adore you all. I'm Panute's mom. I've, <laughs> I've gotten the best laughs out of her name gaff. Last week, we had a scare that she might have a tumor on her spleen, which can be aggressive. She is 14, so it's a concern. Everyone's been so supportive. Thank you. In follow-up, there are spots on her spleen, but no tumor development. She has some issues we're managing, but for a 14-year-old dog, we have a plan to keep her healthy for as long as possible. I also have vets very invested in her care. Thank you for all the love. I'll keep sharing her in the group as she loves the attention. And there's Panute. Hello, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that there was no tumor development, Angela. And send my love to Panute. Give, give Panute some scritches for me. Next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. I'm in Australia and I've been listening to you since the Muller days. You are the voices that I fall asleep to each night, leaving me feeling safe and hopeful. I heard this week you're thinking of coming to Australia. Yes, please. We live out of Sydney in a beautiful spot. Here's our cavoodle pup named RuPaw Charles in honor of my other favorite show. Look at the cavoodle. Hello, Muppet. Look at those feet. Oh, what a sweetheart. And the the little goatee, the little white beard there. That's just an adorable dog. Looks so soft. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, we'll do our best. I think we have a, I think we have a grand total of like 200 listeners in Australia. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to get everybody in one theater. Next up from Kaylin, pronoun she and her. Hello, goddesses of the legume. I've been debating sharing this news or not. My husband of 20 years passed away very suddenly on January 6th. Another reason I will hate January 6th. I am disabled and have not been able to work for the last four years now. I've been working on getting my social security disability insurance, but my husband was my advocate, helping me with all the forms. We have two children. One is 10. The other is almost five. The eldest has ADHD and has a sensory processing disorder called SPD, or a sensory processing disorder, SPD. All to say, life is more than a little strained right now. And here's the important information I want to share. In December of 2014, the Achieving a Better Life Experience, ABLE Act of 2013, um, Senate 313, H.R. 647, was signed into law by then-President Barack Obama, which allows for individuals with disabilities to have tax-free savings accounts to help cover disability-related expenses. I did not find out about the ABLE accounts until after my husband passed, even though I have a disability and so does my eldest son, and this makes me so mad because this could have really helped us as a family. I don't understand why stuff like this is not shared to a wider audience. It is tough uh, that having people uh, get these things they need to live, like medicine or housing or whatever, is somehow un-American. So I wanted to share with you, the wider Daily Beans audience, about these accounts, so that families and individuals who are struggling with all the medical bills and paying for other things associated with someone's disability have this knowledge. You can go to the website, A-B-L-E-N-R-C dot org. Thank you so much, Kaylin. You're truly a warrior. I'm so sorry about your husband passing. And thank you for sharing that information. The amount of people that you just helped is, um, I hope, assuages your struggles a little bit. That's why we tell our stories. So we can help other people so they don't feel alone. Kaylin, again, thank you. 
keep us updated. And thanks to everybody for sending in their good news and their pet pics. There was no what the mutt today, or I would have crushed it, but I appreciate anyway your good news. If you have any good news you want to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And thank you again to all of our patrons and all of our listeners. You make this show possible. I will be back tomorrow. We've got some other great guest hosts coming in this week. So you want to stick around. We've got Renato Mariotti and Frangela and all kinds of great things. So um, we, will, we will be back in your ears uh, in what I think is going to be an unprecedented news week. Just have a feeling. Till then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>